Okay, so fourth grade. Teacher saying something, the eternity seconds click away once every eon. So hot, so bored. Carl leans over to me, whispers, hey, hey, this Saturday, I dare you to pee on the electric fence. I dare you too. I say right back. And I know right then, without a shadow of a doubt, that both Carl and I will in fact pee on the electric fence running between our respective farms outside of Kingston, Michigan. This will happen. Carl never, ever backs down. Never. And Carl will never, ever see me back down either. We're farm boys. We do what we say and say what we mean. But I don't want to pee on an electric fence. It's just another one of Carl's stupid ideas. I can already hear my dad at the hospital. He did what? But there's no help for it. I got to do what I got. So I start thinking, what do I know about electric fences? What? And it turns out, big country that I am, I know quite a bit. See, here's the thing about electric fences you urbanites might not understand. Electric fences are only on sometimes. Farmers want it popping enough so that the cattle are scared to touch them. But you don't want to waste all your money pouring electricity into a fence after they get the message, see? So you turn it on every once in a while. And you can turn the fence up low or up high for the bad ombre cows that aren't making America great again. But we digress. I start thinking, I'm going to pee on the fence when it ain't on. But how to tell? I can't just ask Farmer Ted. It's his fence. Word would get back. So that afternoon I go home and I sit in front of the fence. And if you stare long enough, it's like you can tell. There's a hum in the air, a crackle. You could almost see the magnetic energy field ready, waiting. And then it stops. The pop goes out of the air. For hours, I watch until I know the rhythm of the fence, the dance of the fence master. Saturday comes. I'm going first. You go later. I tell Carl. He looks relieved. He won't be. I make a big show about how scared I am. I bend over and smell the angry wire. You got to be crazy to pee on that. There's nothing, no pitch, no hum, no magnetic field. It's gonna sting, Carl! I look back with fear in my eyes. Here I go, Carl! I pull trowel and let fly. And it's not just my willy that is electrocuted. A spasm of voltage sizzles my spine, the back of my brain, my liver, my kidneys. The shockage sends me 10 feet in the air, crashing down on my back, trembling, groaning foam, leaking from my eyes, my mouth, my nose. Oh, oh man, you're something special. I ain't never seen nothing like that. Man, fried, that's what you got. I can't believe you did it. Can't believe it. I even asked Ted to turn it to 10. 
I said there's nothing this kid won't do, and I was right, I'll tell you what. <sighs> My brain hurt. Whatever bet this is, you win. Paul, kill me if I did something crazy like that. <sighs> Look over at the fence. And the fence grins right back at me. I don't know what happened. I still don't know what happened. Either I read it wrong or it turned on right when I did my business. I don't know. But you can imagine my surprise. A few weeks ago, I turned on the TV to see two science guys announce that it's impossible to get zapped from peeing on a fence. I can prove otherwise. I can but Carl, if you're listening right now, I think it's safe to say it's your turn. Now then, get ready to unsheave your broadsword. We join a notorious anarchist organization in the midst of chaos. Snap judgment. So we were at the edge of a gigantic national park in Pennsylvania. It's such a rustic place. We had kind of planned on just making like a big explosion of uh, violence and then leaving town. Malaclips was part of this violent anarchist group. The group didn't have a name or a purpose. They just wanted to cause chaos. They went from place to place, usually in rural areas where they could easily rob people and escape into the forest. In the middle of one particular heist, they spotted an old wooden tavern at the edge of the woods where they could hide and regroup. When we came into the tavern, there were two or three people in there. And it just so happened they're people that had looked at us funny earlier. We kind of had a feeling that there were people after us. And we realized that in the tavern right now is our group and these two people that don't like us, and that's it. Malaclips and his group were on the run and carrying stolen goods. They were on high alert. And when other people inside shot them suspicious looks, everything went off the rails. Fast. My friend Don, he just like looks at me and he's like, okay, now. And he just instantly starts throwing poison gases at people. Half of our group looked at him with shock and the other half jumped in on it and immediately started attacking the other people in the tavern. When we left the tavern, two people had been robbed and one was dead. So we've got to um, kind of like kill our way out of town now before anybody realizes what's happening. It's getting dark. It's five o'clock in the evening at this point. It's snowing and we're trying to keep our visibility really low. We made it to the edge of town and we started hiking into the woods. And like most of our group is in this cluster and we've got a, one person that's like 50 feet ahead of us and one person that's like 50 feet behind us. And they're like our front and rear guard. And maybe like 40 minutes after we're into the woods, the guy behind us claps twice. They were chasing us. So Don gets this idea to leave like a false trail. He has us all like follow each other's footprints, step in each other's footprints as we go off in one direction. Meanwhile, he leaves footprints in a big circle and then he cuts off a branch of a pine tree and, and walks backwards covering his steps as he goes. 
we're like an hour and a half into this chase. And I'm like, they haven't found us yet. They're not going to find us. At that moment, we see this guy emerge from the fog ahead of us. And he goes, there they are. We just, we scattered. And I ran like a couple hundred feet. And I look over my shoulder and somebody has just hit my friend Sylvia in the back and she falls down. And then all of a sudden there's like six people around her. So I, I sprint, I sprint and I panic. If these guys find me, they're gonna kill me. There's two of them, at least two of them, and there's only one of me. I don't stand a chance. So Maliclips has this idea. If he can't run, maybe he can hide. I laid down on these rocks right next to the river, and I brushed a bunch of snow onto my back, and I let the snow fall on me. And I can hear their footsteps. And if I look to the side, I can see feet, but not much more. They had just been running, and they were kind of out of breath. I could hear talking about, like, he was just here. Where is he? I just sit still in the snow. They eventually give up and go away. I look at my watch, and I realize two hours has passed. I can leave the game now. He put on a small white headband, and instantly, Maliclips, the notorious anarchist and thief, changed back into being Dan Comstock, a lanky college sophomore with shoulder-length blonde hair and a big foam sword. Dan was a LARPer, a live-action role player. He'd go on long weekend retreats where everyone played along in these big fantasy come-to-life games. He'd been so committed to it that he found himself alone in the snow in the middle of the night. And the gravity of the situation slowly sinks in, and now I'm just a 19-year-old kid lost in the mountains in Pennsylvania. I realize I'm, I'm like really lost. It's now past sunset and the snow has been falling, so I've only got like 100 feet of footprints and then it's gone. I, I shout, help! I ran and I ran and I ran. I just was running and screaming. I just picked a direction and kept going. I start to lose hope. I'm gonna use like my last bit of energy to like climb up this big hill and see if I could see anything from there. I push my way through these like thorn bushes and I make it up to the top of this hill and it's like a big flat field. And on the far side of the field, I see a tiny farmhouse. I'm like, oh, civilization. I'm saved, I'm out of the woods. And so I, I walk over to this farmhouse. I was very conscious of that I'm dressed in this ridiculous fantasy outfit. I take off as much of my costume as I can without like shivering. <laughs> I put my foam sword around the corner and I take off my cloak. And then I took a big breath and I knocked on the door. It was, it was a Dutch door and the top half of it opened. And I saw a woman in a very traditional looking blue dress and bonnet and she was holding a candle. That took me a little while to process what I was looking at. <laughs> And the first thought in my head is like, what, did I wander into another LARP? And then it hits me that I'm in Amish country. I was nervous. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm lost. I'm staying at this campsite near here. And uh, could you just like point me back to where I need to go? She's like, oh my God, you were lost in the woods. That's terrible. She knew I was scared. Uh, let me wake up my, my two of my sons and they'll, uh, they'll give you a ride back. So Stephen and Levi, get two strapping Amish lads about my age, uh, get out of bed. They get on their clothes. They go out to the barn. They wake up the horse. 
they attach the buggy, they bring it out, and I get in the buggy with them, and they, we start to go back. It's like a little wooden cab with, uh, with four wheels. They have rubber tires on them. And we were sitting side by side in the front of this buggy, all three of us. They were wearing rimmed hats, and I'm wearing a black cloak with a hood and leather armor with studs on it. The horse had just been woken up, so he was a little cranky. I think they could tell that I had never been in a horse and buggy before, and they thought that was adorable. They're like, they were really polite, and they didn't really let on that they were teasing me, but it was very, it was a little pointy. They're like, I've never been lost in the woods before. Were you scared? And it was just, it was really surreal, you know? Because I'm trying to talk to these Amish people. They're like, what were you doing in the woods? And I, like, I couldn't really explain it, you know? I was like, have you ever heard of a, a Renaissance fair? No. Have you ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons? No. And I'm like trying not to say like, well, we pretend like we don't have technology. Like we live in a different time. It's, it's funny, you know, people talk about Amish people like they're, you know, these, these bumpkins. And I, they talk about us the same way. You know, they're good at things that we're clueless about. Like, who am I to judge? You know, I just wandered through the woods with like a cape and like a foam sword. I wasn't really able to explain it to them. And so they just kind of stop asking follow-up questions at a certain point. So we pulled up to the campsite into like a little fantasy village and there are different groups of people. There are these dark elves, they have pointy ears and they have dark makeup. Wizards who are wearing robes or, you know, and funny hats. Rangers you know, kind of dressed like Robin Hood a lot of the time with the kind of like pointed cap. As soon as I stepped in, my friend Don and my friend Alan, who was carrying the treasure chest, they were like, there he is. And everybody kind of cheered. Everybody was relieved. Everybody was worried about where I had been. They said, where were you? And I said, Amish country. I thanked Stephen and Levi very warmly. I gave them hugs. They seemed a little bit amused. They were looking around and weren't really sure what they were looking at, but they, they were happy I got to where I needed to go. I kind of got that sense too, like that the next day they were going to be telling everybody, we met the weirdest guy last night. My name is Malaclips. I'm a madman, a revolutionary in the world of Tira, on the continent of Avalon, in the kingdom of Evendar, in the duchy of Greyhorn. This is a, this is a land of order and chaos. There are liches and death knights, vampires, uh, werewolves. One of the werewolves is a baron and he rules part of Greyhorn. Thank you, Dan Comstock, for the fantastical tale. Now, Dan's been organizing LARPing events for decades now. Even though Malclips the Anarchist is retired, Dan only plays the hero now. Don't get lost chasing anybody, Dan. The original score was by Renzo Gorio, and that piece was produced by Jasmine Aguilera. Oh, my. Pop the champagne, a new year, a new decade. We are thrilled you decided to spend some of it with Snap. And do we have some tremendous stories waiting for you in the new year, Snappers? Don't miss a one. But if you do miss one, the amazing, stupendous storytelling podcast awaits. Get the Snap Judgment Podcast. Share the Snap Judgment Podcast. Please comment or the trolls win. 
Don't let that happen. Snap is brought to you by the team that always dresses up for the party. Throw some confetti at Mr. Top Hat himself, Mark Risky, the Uber producer, Anna, Jello Shot Sussman, Pat Tequila, Masidi Miller, Hot Coffee, Renzo Gori, Nancy Hot Butter Lopez, Leon Morimoto on the Flying Trapeze, Shayna Moonwalk Sheely, John Facile jumps out of the cake, Marissa Dodge likes the cake, Liz Cha Cha Mac, Nika. Jello Shot Sang. I thought someone else liked Jello Shot Snicker. Liza, Sparkly Wing Smith, Lauren Party Boat Newsom, Mixtaper, Tail Dakawa, Flo Wally. She plays Scrabble. And no time in the previous decade has this show ever been the news. And I'm happy to report that it is still not the news. But in fact, for months, you can plan the big Snap Judgment holiday party for next Thursday, only to discover that you've reserved the venue for next Friday. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is WNYC.